So, you know, as well as being really bad for the environment, microbeads are just shit anyway. So I ended up just using sugar and honey. Works a million times better. And you can eat it. It drops into my mouth sometimes, you know, and I just like lick my lips. It's great. It's like, why would you not use that? Why would you be using, why would you be having little pieces of plastic on your face when you can just be eating your exfoliator while you're exfoliating? Hello, Ollie. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 180. 180! Absolutely superb. Where's that bullseye music? There it is. Great. Very good. Welcome yourself, all to Sustainable 180. Step up to the Oki, Ollie, and let's talk about people and the planet and why, despite everything being noised, we can have a little bit of a chuckle and a think about it every now and then. Yes? Absolutely. And what are we going to be having a little chuckle and a think about this week then? Well, we're going to be having a little chuckle and a little think about something that you, dear Babble listeners, constantly ask us about, which is how can I there be green and not kill the planet and stuff? And we don't know the answer to that, really. Well, we know what, like, governments should do and companies should do, but we don't really know the answer to what we should do as people, individuals. So we're going to talk to somebody who does. Yes, we're going to talk all the way via the magic of the internet to somebody called Leanne Bell. And Leanne is an entrepreneur and a writer, and she has wrote a book. She wrote it. That's my. That's not how she sounds. That's just the way. No. Whenever I say the word "wrote," it comes out. I don't know why, but she's wrote a book <laughs> um, about. It's uh, it's called "How on Earth Can I Be Eco Friendly." And uh, it is brill. It's really, really good. Uh, we think if you like this podcast, you will like Leanne and you will like her book because it's fun and it takes itself not seriously at all, but it's interesting and educational and really, really good. And she talks in the book, she talks all about how to have sustainable um, self-care products, how to have sustainable fashion and how you can have less food waste and stuff like that. And so we just thought we'd chat to her about it and it was very, very good. She is in Taiwan which is, uh, I was going to say, in China. I'm not going to say that. Oh, no, um, no, 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 <laughs> don't say is, that. In, which is international. Um, and it was the, <laughs> pretty close to the middle of the night for her when we talked, so we do appreciate it. Uh, there's a teeny bit of delay on the line, but yeah, we had a good chat. It was terrific. Very good. Uh, we should set out the usual disclaimers, or at least I should, uh, which is that I work for an environmental charity, uh, just one. I noticed that whenever you do this, Dave, you say all works for environmental charities, but I don't. I, there's only one. I'm not moonlighting. Um, anyway, so these are my views, uh, very much my own views. So if you've got any problem with anything I say, please take it up with me, not for the people, uh, with the people for whom I work. And the same goes for Dave, although he doesn't really work for anyone, although he sort of does a little bit now. So maybe, maybe these are his own views again. I don't know. The point is. Have a go at us, not anyone else. And don't have a go at Leanne because she's really nice. Yeah, Leanne was fab. One last thing. Uh, 
We do tend to bleep out naughty swear words on this uh, on this here podcast, as discussed in episode 177 about naughty swear words as much as anything else. Um, but there are quite a lot of naughty swear words in this episode. Um, I think I will have caught them all with the bleep machine, but sorry if any have snuck through. <laughs> Excellent, very good disclaimer. Right, let's um, let's check out what Leanne has got to say. Uh, I, I think everything she says is tops, sometimes double tops. Um, it's a darts theme, Dave. Don't look right, so blank. Right, right. Very oh. Good hour result. So, uh, Leanne, you, de- you describe yourself and we describe you as a writer and entrepreneur. What, what do you write about? Um, what do you entrepreneur about? so i write about environmental stuff i have written a book the book's called how on earth can i be eco-friendly and i was inspired to write the book after i launched my own ethical women's wear brand about five years ago and i've always wanted to have my own clothing company i've always been interested in sustainability And always just kind of thought that as long as the business was manufacturing with sustainable materials, then everything was okay. And it wasn't really until I launched my business that I realized that, wow, what an absolute mess this is, you know. So I realized that a lot of people still aren't interested in in being more eco-friendly and the, the the whole movement is just, it just was a little bit of an echo chamber and it was just seemed to be a lot of people in the industry talking about it and talking a lot about it and doing lots of things. But I just felt like it, the, the movement was just going really slowly and a lot of people were being really slow to adopt. And I felt like the reason why was because they found it overwhelming or daunting or just boring really like the information was being presented to them in a in a way that wasn't really easily digestible so yeah so I decided to to write my book really to yeah to kind of reach people right big blue wobbly thing that mermaids live in (laughs) see we always get asked, always, 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 number one, no, number one question is, hey, I can see you guys work for environmental charities. I want to do that too. <laughs> uh, we've now got a blog about, we've got a blog about that on our website. Sorry if we don't always reply. But the second question is, hey, here's a thing that I do in my life, uh, which I would like to be greener. How can I be more green, please? And we, if we reply, which isn't always, we'll generally say, ah, oh, I don't know that stuff. Not really yeah. a sort of green lifestyle sort of thing. Google it, but then, Google it. But then... Google it, look it up, or talk to someone like Leanne. So that's what we're going to do. So we're not experts in living kind of greeny life, but would you say that you are an expert in green lifestyle stuff? Um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I don't think I'm old enough to be an expert. I hope I'm not old <laughs> enough to be an expert. I don't know. I, I don't think I don't it know. works like that. Does it <laughs> not? Age is no guarantee of expertise. <laughs> I'm sure you're there. Well, yeah, yeah I guess. I don't know. Um, I I think I have a lot of knowledge. I wouldn't call myself an expert. I feel like an expert is like someone that has a PhD. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I do read a lot. I have a lot of knowledge and I like to share it. 
So, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Expert's quite a scary word. It's terrifying. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. A lot of bollocks around the word expert. In there. <laughs> um, oh, what are you? Because Ol's expert in all sorts of things, aren't you? You're expert. Yeah, and no, I'm 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 expert in um, procrastination. <laughs> yeah, really quite good at exactly. that. Um, I'm an expert at going on Facebook and losing three hours of my life. Definitely. Exactly. I I think I probably get closer to the end of Twitter than anyone else does yeah. in terms of just yeah. mindlessly scrolling it. Yeah, and I'm an expert in loads of stuff and I haven't got a PhD in any of those things. So I, I don't think that's a prerequisite. But I think one of the things that we um, uh, that we really enjoy about, uh, about your book and about your approach is that you are open about the fact that this stuff isn't easy. Uh, no, in a way that a lot of other people aren't like a lot of to be honest a lot of the sustainability lifestyle stuff you read is everyone it's the sort of Delia Smith approach to sustainability it's like yeah, oh, just, <laughs> yeah. really this takes no more than five well, minutes get, just get drunk and just, stand on the football pitch <laughs> for the best football supporters in the world we need a 12th man here where are you where are you yeah, yeah. all that <laughs> Just pop it in the <laughs> oven and then you'll have a three-course meal out, you know, out the other side. It's the equivalent of that. It's like it's really incredibly yeah. easy to grow your own hemp windows and, yeah. uh, you know, generate electricity out of a hamster. Whereas yeah. it's not easy and you seem honest about that. Um, but it, it's, do you have to be a kind of puritanical green uh you know god fearing hippie to do this or 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 is it all right is it important in fact to see trying to live a green lifestyle as something a bit broader than that and a bit more messy than that yeah i think oh my god i think it's so important for everyone to realize that you just do not have to do it perfectly and that's the problem i think like that's the pe- people aren't doing anything because they think they can't do everything, so they're doing nothing. Whereas, yeah, that's definitely the message in my book is just do what you can, really. And, yeah, you don't have to be you don't have to be perfect. None of us do anything perfectly, do we? So, you know, I think that's where the whole eco-anxiety thing comes from as well. Like people are just freaking out and and just yeah doing things like because they, they're trying so hard and they're kind of worrying about it and I just want to take take all of that out of the equation and just be like okay let's all chill out a little bit and just do a little bit here and a little bit there and do what you can like you know I read things on Instagram and I'm like somebody had made what had they made okay so they were trying to reduce their plastic consumption so they'd made their own dog treats right amazing like amazing that they've done that but I was like like sometimes I don't even have time to wash my hair like genuinely I was like (laughs) I do not have time to make dog treats are you joking like my dog is lucky if she's got food so often I'm like shit we're not dog food where am I gonna get that from like I you know and we just all have to remember like we all have lives we're all busy we have jobs we have you know stuff to do like if you have time to make your own dog treats so you're you know you're using less plastic amazing if you don't do not fret because you know it's not the end of the world 
because I think this is one of the reasons that Ol and I, I don't know, maybe, tell me, I do usually speak for you, Ol, but I suppose you could probably speak up if this isn't the case. But no, no, I'm, I'm I, quite I, used to you speaking for me and on my behalf. It's fine. <laughs> Dave's, Dave's explaining. I think that part of the prob- part of the reasons we don't talk about a lot of the green lifestyle stuff is because I think we're a bit wary of that being what companies and politicians want us. They want us to take on all the burden of it, right? Yeah. So they want it to be like instead of them banning bad things or instead of companies not doing bad things, they're like, oh no no, consumption rules. The consumer is king. Uh, you guys just uh, take care of it and make your life very difficult and buy hemp nappies and everything's fine, right? Yeah. Um, do you think that's fair? Yeah. No, of course not. I think I think a lot of the responsibility for for being more sustainable is well it has to be teamwork doesn't it like we all have to take responsibility so it's a little bit from politicians with the legislation and enforcing it onto corporations it's a little bit of corporations kind of taking a little bit of response a little bit more responsibility than they already are doing for their supply chains and then a little bit from consumers being yeah you know more responsible in like our buying habits and 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 what and what we're doing and stuff so it is it is definitely teamwork and I like I talk about that at the end of my book you know saying like there's seven and a half billion people on the planet and we all have to work together to do this and it's not going to be easy it's not going to be an easy thing but the reality is that if we don't all all do we all if we don't all work together then it's not going to work you know and it's kind of like that you know that's yeah I think that's the most important thing is that we all work together it's got me thinking about like a a number of conversations I've had with sort of campaigner types people people whose jobs like me and Dave to be frank like whose jobs mainly revolve around trying to get the government or corporations to stop doing stupid things or to do some good things and it's very easy if you're in that game it's very easy to say like that's where the action is like the consumer stuff is a is a distraction or or, or even use it as an excuse to like you know go and burn a few fridges in your back garden and a couple of cheap flights of a weekend like there are definitely green campaigners i know who are like oh it's all about the government all about the corporations what i do doesn't matter but what you're saying is that it, you can't really let yourself off the hook like that. Is is that what you're saying? Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, we all have to take responsibility. So, you know, as individual people, we have to take responsibility for our actions. And we also have to, you know, put a little bit of pressure onto the government because let's be realistic, they're being very slow about this stuff, like way too slow. And we also need to put a little bit of pressure on on corporations as well because they're also being really slow ridiculously slow it's crazy how so many companies are being so slow to innovate with regards to to introducing more circular business practices and stuff it's crazy minister it takes time to do things now <laughs> So we talked a few episodes ago, we talked about Ol's baby's bottoms, didn't we, Ol? Yes, yes we did. And <laughs> how are the baby's bottoms getting on? Yeah, the same, fine. 
Babies, is that pl- yep. plural? There's more than one baby. Yeah, there's two of them. There's two wow. of them chewing their way two? through the planet's finite yeah. resources. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that Ol said was, look, I would love to not destroy the planet. I'd love to have reusable nappies, but they cost a load of money and I haven't got it. That's um, not quite what I said. That's not quite what I said. That's what you said. That's not quite what I said. But I was making that's a broader point that like, you need, as well as time uh, and motivation, you also need cash to do some of the greener things like buying a load of reusable nappies. Yeah, so I guess but... that's what I want. Do you, are you therefore phenomenally rich, Leon? In order to do the green God, life. no. Okay, hang on. First of all, <laughs> you can't possibly think that reusable nappies are more expensive. Do you know how much a box of nappies is? Like they're yeah, they do. insane. Super. So, so you, I, I enjoyed this. <laughs> I can't get I my head around this. <laughs> I do. Like it definitely over the long term it's cheaper to do reusables. Definitely. It and definitely I get is. That. I'm... But uh, but the out, the point about it is like the, the original outlay, right, is is more. Is like it, okay. if, you, if you're going to set yourself up for like a proper set, you're talking a couple okay. of hundred quid. Right. Okay. Now I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of the time. Okay. This, this, the thing is with fashion, right? So I always say like, okay, I don't really buy clothes. If I do buy clothes, um, I love Vivian Westwood and her motto is buy less, choose well. So it's a really nice idea that if I need some new clothes, I'm not going to buy the one, you know, the dress that's £10, I'll buy the dress that's £100. You know, I'll keep it longer, it'll last better, blah, blah, blah. But that's relying on the fact that I have a hundred pounds to spend on a dress right when there's a lot of times that actually I don't and a lot of other people don't either and so yeah I definitely talk about that in my book because it's true at the end of the day like a lot of the time it is you know when you don't have as much money you're always gonna you're always missing out on stuff like you know it's the same as like oh, we'll buy an electric car. That's better for the environment. Like, if these electric cars are more expensive. Like, I can't afford to go out and get a Tesla. Like, you know, that kind of thing, isn't it? You know, it is generally more expensive to be greener, more environmentally friendly. Do not even get me started on the price of beauty products when they're organic. Like, oh, my God. It is Tell us ridiculous. about organic beauty products, Leanne. But, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I stopped buying them. I just make all my own now out of stuff that I've got lying around in the kitchen because I just got so bored of going to, you know, Whole Foods or somewhere and, like, looking at stuff and being like, okay, well, this cream is £30. And be like, oh, but, you know, it's so worth it. And then reading all the ingredients on the back and then... You know, the reality is, could I afford to spend £30 on a face cream? No. Could I f***? Like, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, who can afford to buy these things, you know? So now I'm just there lathering my face in yoghurt. And you know what? It (laughs) works an absolute treat. It's so good. It's so good. I was like, I've been spending all my hard-earned dosh on these fancy creams that basically they're only that expensive because they come in a really nice bottle 
When all the time, I could have just been using the yogurt in my fridge. So that's what I do now. I use yogurt. I make my own face masks out of turmeric and egg white. Basically make myself into a walking, talking piece of uh, papier-mâché. And it costs me pennies. (laughs) We've all been duped by the beauty industry. And you get... And you get a nice meal at the end of it as well. Oh, you, yes. Everyone's a winner. You can you take a note of this? Because this is this is what we need for our skincare routine. Uh, these are the sort of <laughs> these is, are the sort it? of tips. I'm going straight to my fridge after this. I like the bit in your book where you talk about. Um, is it you? One of your skincare regimes is to cover your face in honey or something? Oh or no, that's my exfoliator. And if so, doesn't that make you really sticky and very attractive to bears? Yeah, there's there's definitely a Winnie the Pooh element there. (laughs) When there is no honey, the Pooh takes the tummy wherever the honey will be. My friends are out there with honey to spare and they will take care of my time. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, no bears in the city where I live, thankfully. But, um, yeah, it is kind of sticky. It's like, it's, um, yeah, it's just sugar and honey, but... Actually, when you mix it with a tiny bit of water, it's the best exfoliator in the world. And I actually started using that years before they banned microbeads because I'd be exfoliating my face. I've always had quite problem skin since I was in my early 20s. And I'd be exfoliating with stuff with microbeads. And I'd be like, this is just absolutely shit. It's not exfoliating anything. It's not doing anything. So, you know, as well as being really bad for the environment, microbeads are just shit anyway. So I ended up just using sugar and honey. Works a million times better. And you can eat it. It drops into my mouth sometimes, you know, and I just, like, lick my lips. It's great. It's like, why would you not use that? Why would you be using, why would you be having a little piece of plastic on your face when you can just be eating your exfoliator while you're exfoliating? Well, that's, um, uh, I think that's pretty much answered a question that we had in from a listener. I'll, I'll read it out anyway, um, but it's, <laughs> you've definitely given, given a pretty good answer to it. So there's a listener called Lexi Jones, and she said, uh, I've tried to minimise waste in almost every area of my life, but one that I struggle with is skincare. I have horrible skin, and the only affordable products seem to come in primary plastic containers. This includes even necessities like lotion or sun cream. Are there certain ingredients we should avoid if we can't avoid the plastic? Uh, I only see reef safe sunscreen, but any other skincare products, there is uh, no such advertising. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I mean, well, yeah, like you said, I, I can't answer it. I just make all of my, my beauty products from stuff that I've got in the kitchen. Sun cream, I, I'm pretty bad with sun cream considering I'm ginger and I live in a really hot country. <laughs> I use it if I'm on the beach I definitely I don't use it every day which I mean I don't know I don't know if that's good or bad thing uh apparently hemp oil is the is as good sunscreen I've never tried it but apparently that's a good natural one uh I think hemp oil might be illegal in Taiwan just to reiterate Uh I don't have any with me but (laughs) I just read it online that you can use it um just in case yeah. In case anyone's listening. <laughs> Just in case. Um, and it's worth pointing out, of course, the Babel is many things. The Babel is not an advisor on skin, 
uh, on sun cream. So uh, please do your own research. I think that will stop us getting sued, won't it? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sunscreen is a, a, a very weird area. Yeah, don't know. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. Well, technology is a glittering lure, but uh, there's the rare occasion when the public can be engaged on a level beyond flash if they have a sentimental bond with the product. You know, what What do you think the most important things, or I guess the things that you try to pay the most attention to are? Where do you start with all of this? If you're going to cut yourself a break, what are the areas you shouldn't cut yourself a break in? Um, well, the last sentence of my book, actually, I think is the best way for people to start. So the last sentence in my book just says, um, you know, if you still don't Spoiler. know where to start, if you don't know what to do, you can just buy less shit, eat more plants and celebrate your wares. And I think if everybody in the like in the developed world had those three things in mind whereby they just eased up on the mindless consumption, ate more plant-based meals and wore their clothes a few more times, I think the the environmental impact would be pretty big. So that's kind of I think they're just three really simple things that everybody can do. And on the on the like on the mindless consumption bit, uh, I can't help asking asking this question because I'm a mindless consumer, but also because I kind of work <laughs> on it at the moment. But like, what what's your what's your view and what's your experience of like the the pressure to consume? Because obviously we ca- we can all buy less shit, right? We yeah. we have it within our gift to do that. But there is an absolute avalanche of stuff coming up coming at us saying yeah buy this shit in order to be happy or to be pretty or to be oh, popular yeah, totally. and so it's not it's not just us turning up turning down those opportunities is it yeah yeah i mean it's not just a case of not you know it's definitely not that simple but i mean i have trained myself not to buy stuff i wasn't always like this so if I, I feel like if I can train myself to be like this, you know, anyone can. But it's definitely, like you said, it's it's hard. There's so much advertising, particularly, in, you know, a lot of it is aimed at women. Like you said, buy this dress, you'll look pretty. You know, it's there's a reason why the charity shops are overrun with women's wear. It's never men's wear. It's always women's wear. You know, it's always the whole fast fashion thing is predominantly women. And it's because of the advertising, you know, and it's because that's one of the reasons that I really hate fast fashion, you know, aside from the the working conditions and the environmental impact, it's also just the way that I feel like companies are manipulating women and preying on their insecurities and and making them making women spend on their credit cards and getting into debt to try and make themselves feel better, you know? And I just think it's such this it's just such a sad cycle. I don't like it. There's the exit. Thank God. God look at all those people. They definitely see us coming out. Maybe if you actually buy some underpants, then it wouldn't look so strange. They're women's underpants. <laughs> well, so people people will have picked up already, I think, from this chat, kind of what the tone of 
you and the book is and why it's so refreshing and different to so much of the worthy stuff what you read. Um, I would like to further illustrate what the book is like by reading out one of the best sentences anyone has ever written about the environment ever um, from your book and ask you to explain yourself. So the sentence goes like this. I was walking through Hackney in East London with a can of cider in my hand when I stumbled across a bin bursting with clothes. Jackpot. Um, So (laughs) there's several things I want to ask you about that. Um, But I think the main one is, do you get clothes out of the bin? That's my main question. I have got clothes out of the bin. I did that day. It was amazing. Finding clothes just there. Really cool clothes as well. I mean, what more can you ask for out of life, really? Well... Well, they fit. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I've got really low standards out of what I want out of my life. (laughs) I feel like like, it's always good to have low standards because then they're they're exceeded, right? That's definitely the approach that I've taken. But (laughs) is there not a bit of you? Because I I confess, I have never, I've never done like uh, skip diving and, you know, getting perfectly good food out of supermarket bins and stuff like that. And... I definitely sort of agree with it and think you should, but I feel funny about it. Was there not a bit of you that felt a bit self-conscious about taking clothes out of a bin? No, not at all. They were like... The cider probably helped. (laughs) (laughs) How many ciders had you had? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely a few ciders in. So, like, me and my friend were walking through Hackney, going to another friend's house, and there was just a bin, and it was... It wasn't, like, a wheelie bin with with all, you know, other bits of things. It was just a big steel bin that was jam-packed full of clothes and jewellery, and uh, I think what it... I think it must have been, like, a fashion student who was moving out, couldn't be bothered to take it. So, that... It was just clothes in the bin, but they were they were in a bin. So me and my friend are like, oh, my God, look at all that stuff. And obviously we're both skint at the time. I was a student and, and she, uh, I think, well, she was just broke as well. So, you know, we're running over like, like kids at Christmas. Like, oh, my God, like eyes lit up like, yes, going through all this stuff and... The clothes were so cool and the dress that I found, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And there was all this jewellery. And so we got to our friend's house. We just had these like armfuls of clothes and her boyfriend <laughs> and his friend are just like, hey, where the f*** have you been? We're like, we found all this stuff. Look, and we're like dressing up in all the clothes, like put some vinyl on, like having a boogie. We're like, oh, it was great. I wore that dress so much and I lost it when I moved house. I was absolutely devastated it was dreadful maybe you put it down for a minute and somebody came along yeah, and thought maybe. it was being thrown away <laughs> yeah. another another excellent uh phrase from your your book uh a three-word phrase uh <laughs> yeah. which i like very much concerning uh everyone's favorite uh facet of life the supermarket and uh well it's i think it's fair to say you don't like supermarkets very much um (laughs) illustrated by the quote supermarkets are dicks um (laughs) why why a supermarket dicks well i read three books on tesco when i was in my 20s because 
obviously had a really exciting life in my 20s as well. I was, stu- I was studying business at the time. So I read three books on Tesco and Tesco are just, they're just the biggest bullies ever. Like there's only one town in the UK that doesn't have a Tesco. And um, the reason that there is only one town in the UK that doesn't have a Tesco is that when Tesco want to build a supermarket in a town, when the local council rejects the planning application, they build the supermarket anyway because they know that the local council doesn't have enough money to take them to court and do anything about it. When I read that, I was like, oh, my God, how dare they? So, you know, they've, they've been described as the Japanese knotweed of the retail industry because they just you know, suck the life out of town. So, you know, they've kind of killed off the butchers and the greengrocers and and they've, they just have these sprawling supply chains. And then because they have so much power, they're driving down the price of, you know, everything that they're buying from the farmers and they're driving the prices down lower and lower. And they have the monopoly because, you know, they're just this, giant huge conglomerate and I just think that I just think supermarkets are an example of everything that we don't want in the 21st century like as a business model they're just everything that you don't want really and yeah I just don't like them even though I do still shop at them (laughs) well I mean that's that's what I was going to say really to play devil's advocate with it for a sec because they I went before recording this episode of The Babble, I went to the supermarket. And what? I loads of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, uh, it wasn't it wasn't Tesco, it was one of the other ones. And I bought loads of stuff, almost almost all of which I intended to get when I went in. And then there were some other things that I thought, ooh, that'd be nice, I'll get that thing. Um, and, you know, it's quite cheap, really. And a lot of people... It's all in one place. All in one place. And... I can see why, obviously, that, you know, they have environmental challenges to them, but they give people cheap food. And a lot of people, to go back to the earlier chat about money, a lot of people ain't got a lot of money. So they, they can't be all evil, are they? No, they're not evil. And, like, I mean, it's like I said, they're, like, a blessing and a curse, right? Like, they're convenient, but I don't know. Are they that cheap? Are they cheap? Is it not cheaper to buy your vegetables at the market? Is it not just I more think, convenient yeah, I think to there's get a lot of, supermarket? I think there's a lot in that. And and the concept of like lost leaders is something I learned about a while ago where like, yeah. you know, they, they'll have stuff in there which they're selling at a loss in order yeah. to make sure that you come in for that. And then when you're there, you buy the other stuff, which is more expensive. Like exactly. milk, for example. Right, right? yeah, milk. And, milk then, is a classic. and then like if you're a farmer what, uh, whose cows produce milk, then you don't get a lot of money for that as a result. Yes? Yeah, exactly. One one final question I wanted to ask you. Um, I guess it's it's like the classic kind of thing that comes up as soon as you mention you're like, you give a shit about the planet, let alone if you say you're an environmentalist or you, like, you work for a green charity or something. The first thing that someone will say to you on the back of that is, oh, I do my recycling. I do my recycling. <laughs> um, so uh, I had two questions. One is, What's, what do you think about recycling? Is it as important as everyone makes out? And the second is, I just want you to, to tell us 
what you told us when we first said hello to you about how recycling works or rather how, how litter works in Taiwan, because it sounds kind of terrifying and kind of brilliant. The general public have been led to believe that recycling is the answer to all of our problems. So is it is it really anyone's fault that that anyone thinks that 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 is the you know the the answer no because that's what we've all been told but is recycling the answer no absolutely not but it is better than doing nothing and it is a start there's just so many problems with recycling like you know in the UK we don't even have enough recycling facilities to recycle the amount of waste that we're generating clothes we only recycle one percent of clothes and you know out of mm. all the all the tons of clothing we've got only one percent is recycled every year and there's so many factors that contribute to the fact that it makes it really hard to recycle clothes same with plastic really hard to recycle plastic so i think it's good that people are getting into the mindset of recycling like there's definitely something like it's a start and it it's that kind of mindset of like not just throwing something in a dumpster like you getting into that habit of you know washing things and then and segregating it and looking at what you're using is definitely a good place to start it's you know it's got to be it's better than nothing right i think um and then taiwan yes taiwan has one of the best recycling systems in the world it's amazing and in the 90s it was, you know, it was known as Garbage Island because the landfills were overflowing. They had no infrastructure to deal with the waste. It was a huge problem. And people were protesting. They were barricading themselves in front of the landfill. And so eventually the government have implemented a really good infrastructure. And there's no, you're not allowed to put your bin out on the street. So there's no, there's no bins anywhere. There's no public bins which means I don't know what people do with their waste. I end up just carrying bags of dog poo around with me all the time, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Like I've That's been into the shop to get something and I've got my little bum bag and I've got my bag of dog poo. And then I've ended up having to like ask the shop assistant for some help with something. And then I was like, it happened the other day and I was stood there and I was like, oh my God, I stink of dog poo. Like, <laughs> this person is just going to be like, why does this foreigner stink? This foreigner is so oh God, here she comes. Here she comes. Yeah. Here's the dog poo here, lady. Like, Back yeah. away. And I was like, oh God, it's just ridiculous because there's no bins anywhere. So I'm, I've always got, I've, yeah, I've been, I've been before, I've, I've had a bag of dog poo in my handbag for like a whole day before I've noticed. So it's definitely a problem. But um, yeah, so you can't have any bins out on the street and the garbage truck comes around and it plays Fioralise, which used to be one of my favourite pieces of music. And I can honestly say, <laughs> when I leave Taiwan, I never want to hear that fucking piece of music ever again. Like, well, it's got, ruined it for me. I've got some bad me. news for you, because I, I know exactly what we've put underneath this bit of the interview in the edit. So um, <laughs> you might not enjoy listening back.
Do you ever mention that name in front of me, that filthy piece of toe rag? But, uh, yeah, it just means so that when the garbage truck comes round, everybody runs out of their house with their with their trash and, and throws it in. And um, apparently one that of the reasons... Brilliant. Well, I mean, it's def- it's interesting. And, and I've been on the phone to my friends before and they're like, oh, is that is that the ice cream van? And I'm like, no. That's what I thought for the first month I was living here. It's not the ice cream van. It's the garbage <laughs> they, they do very strange things to ice cream vans in this country, yeah. I tell you that. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, one of the reasons why the, the recycle the rumour, the rumour is one of, one of the recycling, uh, why the recycling is, everybody recycles so much, is that apparently the mafia own the recycling plants. But I don't know how true that is. I was going to pitch the article to Vice, actually, and I forgot. And now I've remembered. Oh, so they'll take it. They'll take it. Yeah. They don't need truth. <laughs> and frankly, neither do we. That is fact. We are the babble. The babble can babble say fact. categorically that it is the mob what runs recycling in Taiwan, <laughs> and that's why it's brilliant. And we call for the mob to run it here. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'd be a bit better. <laughs> I'm in a waste management business. Everybody immediately assumes you're mobbed up. It's a stereotype, and it's offensive. Leanne, thank you so much for uh, coming on here late at night, your time. We appreciate it to natter yeah. to us pair of cretins about trying to live a greener life. Um, <laughs> could you do a couple of things? Could you just repeat for the Babel Army, anyone who hasn't been paying attention, what your three takeaway messages are for living a greener life? And then do tell everyone what the book is called, how to get it and how to get in touch with you if they want. Yeah, of course. My three takeaway things are... Buy less shit, eat more plants, and celebrate your wares. And my book is called How on Earth Can I Be Eco-Friendly? It is available on Amazon, on Kindle at the moment. The paperback is on the way, and I recorded the audiobook today, actually, so that's on the way too. And if people want to get in touch with me, I'm on most active on Instagram, and I'm at Leanne Bell, Leanne, L-I-A-N-N-E underscore bell I just forgot my Instagram yeah that's it Leanne underscore bell <laughs> and my email my email address is Leanne at LeanneBell.com if anyone wants to email me got any questions love chatting to people over email feel free to drop me a line about about anything really yeah you, you heard it, Babble Army. So next time you feel like emailing me and all with a question about how best to get honey out of your pores, um, <laughs> do just send it send it straight to Leanne. We don't know yeah. the answer. <laughs> I will gladly accept it. Right, good. I very much enjoyed talking to Leanne. Let's shut up and finish the podcast. Now, you can get in touch with us and tell us what you thought of the show, um, or indeed any of our shows, and ideas for things you want us to talk about, most of which we will then pass off onto a guest rather than having an opinion ourselves. You can do that by emailing hello at sustainababble.fish, by finding us on the Facebook at sustainababble, um, or uh, Twitter at the Babble Wagon. We're not on Instagram yeah, because there was, a, there was a stumble there. Was a there. We're not on Instagram. We have thought about it, but uh, frankly, a picture of Ol, who then next week takes a picture of Dave, is going to be a very limited <laughs> appeal to anyone. Um, I don't. Yeah. Th- I don't think our content is up to Instagram. We are very much <laughs> children of the written word age. 
Good. Um, thank you to Leanne. Thank you to Tiki Moore, who does the music that starts, ends, and intertwinkles this podcast. And thank you to the legendary Arthur Stovell for the logo. What adorns it and us and the merchandise. You can buy t-shirts with the babble on it. Um, only if you desperately need a t-shirt, don't otherwise get one, which you can get um, from our website at wobblywobblywobbly.sustainababble.fish. Very good. If you would like to join the legions of wonderful, attractive, humble, just brilliant people, successful, very successful, entertaining people who already bung a little bit of cash our way via Patreon, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com forward slash sustainababble. We really appreciate it. It helps us keep the show on the road. It helps us have microphones that don't break and uh, you can just bung us the, prime, uh, the cost of a coffee and we'll love you forever. One of the things that we do on the Patreon, one of the perks, is we tell people what guests we've got coming up and they get to chuck us a few questions. Um, we sometimes do that more generally, but that's one of the things that you will get is insider uh, opportunity to ask questions of guests. So do that. But, you know, Babel is, Babel is for everyone. Right, good. Are we done? Yes. Splendid news. Right, I'm off to fisk through some bins, cover my face in yoghurt and run away from angry bears. What are you doing, Al? I'm just going to watch that, I think. <laughs> Can you live stream it? It sounds brilliant. Superb. I shall do my best. All right, Arbeen, uh, all the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.